Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Natural Man Podcast is intended as general information for educational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice or a diagnosis of any kind or as a substitute for medical treatment. The information provided in this podcast is not meant to replace the advice of or treatment by any physician. Do not rely upon any information to replace consultations or advice received by qualified health professionals regarding your own specific situation. If you suspect that you have a medical problem, you are urged to seek competent medical help. The Natural Man Podcast and its representatives and agents disclaim any liability for any negative or other medical or other outcomes that may occur as a result of acting on or not acting on any information contained in the podcast. The views and opinions expressed by the host and all guests are their own, and their appearance on this podcast and at the website of The Natural Man Podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, and does not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of The Natural Man Podcast. This is The Natural Man Podcast. This is it. Welcome to it, the Natural Man Podcast. Uh, my name is Mike C. And uh, Julia Ross, so glad you're able to join us today. Thanks for being here. You're welcome, Mike. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, uh, you're a best-selling author. Uh, you're a nutrient therapy pioneer. You're a world leader in the use of nutritional therapy for the treatment of mood problems, eating disorders, addictions. Uh, for 10 years, you worked as a psychotherapist in a different uh, settings of psychiatric and outpatient facilities. And from there, you started directing programs. And this is some, these are some things I'm going to want to dive into today. Uh, you created a program that effectively uh, offered nutritional alternatives to antidepressant drugs. And you have an insomnia eradication program that's based on your own extensive research into the underlying causes of insomnia. And I don't think, I don't think there's enough research in that area. So I, I really appreciate uh, people like yourself doing this work. Uh, thanks for being here. Um, your background's awesome, and I'm excited that you're here. Uh, now, you've been the clinical director at several clinics in helping those with compulsive eating and chemical dependencies in the San Francisco Bay Area. Right. And and in that time, you've literally helped thousands of chronic insomniacs. And we both know insomnia is such a huge problem today. Um, talk about that. Like, why is this condition affecting so many people? Well, uh, there are two. Two directions uh, that this uh, tsunami is coming at us from. Uh, and uh, one of them uh, has to do with the profound uh, worldwide um, dietary trauma that's being inflicted on uh, humankind uh, by the um, refined food industry, uh, which has created, you know, just untold issues in, in terms of malnutrition. Um, and with every generation, it gets worse because, you know, mothers are, are not fully prepared to pass on, you know, the full, their best uh, selves. And uh, so it's, it's just been right. getting worse. And, you know, I can track it back to the 1970s when the, the enormous change in our diet took place and then quickly spread worldwide. Um, so we, we have, you know, we're suffering from malnutrition because the kinds of foods we've been addicted to by the food industry are, are you know, virtually, um, well, the research shows, um, international research showing uh, that this food is 60% nutrient void. Wow. And so the... The nutrients that are required to get us to sleep, you know, there, there are lots of them. They're required in, you know, good amounts yeah. to get us to sleep, to make us happy. Um, and so 
that gets us to the second wave um, that underlies insomnia, and that is uh, our stress levels have risen uh, dramatically, partly because we're eating the most stressful diet ever known, but also because of you know increased population, the environment, um, unknown um, toxic exposure. Um, so uh, we're, we're dealing with malnutrition in the face of levels of stress that are pretty unprecedented. And um, we just don't have the resources so, uh, to deal with it. And, and so the adrenals are uh, you know, front and center trying to field uh, the stress coming from lots of different directions. And that means that our, our cortisol levels, cortisol is um, a hero. That it's, it's perhaps our, our greatest hero. Um, in the face of stress, it makes us feel strong and resourceful. It gets us through. Um, so it's not an enemy. It's not like adrenaline that just jangles us and, and uh, alerts us to the fact that we're in trouble. Uh, right, but cortisol, you know, allows us to stand and fight, or you know, think of alternatives, find a tree to climb, you know, um, and uh, so it's it's called to action, you know, so greatly now um, and chronically, you know, it used to, you know, just be an emergency uh, resource, uh, and now we've got daily uh, demands. For it, and so levels in general have gone up. Um, and what happens when cortisol levels rise consistently for more than, daily for more than three weeks is that a new standard is established, and the body thinks it's you know this is it. We're, we're supposed to be um, sending out previously. Um, uh, levels of cortisol that would have been considered overdose um, on a regular basis, right? And uh, at a certain point, uh, that can't go on. The, body, the adrenals just can't keep providing it, and you know, so there's cortisol steal, other hormones, you know, levels diminish so that there can be resources to make more cortisol, and that doesn't work permanently either. So we got to a point where actually the cortisol levels crash, and when I describe this to you, I'm talking about the most remarkable testing, salivary cortisol testing, so easy to access, so, so reasonably priced, and uh, the, um, really the, the, uh, the queen of all testing in terms of, of cortisol. And universities, when they're doing studies of stress, use salivary testing. So we've been able to see people's cortisol levels all day and all night. And what we've learned is that once they get to the point where they're not producing much cortisol during the day um, on a chronic basis, they're still hyper-producing cortisol at night. So is that like a is that a is that like a fixed thing where um, when we get into this hyper-stressed state, you said for three weeks. And it just continues. Do our adrenal glands just perpetually keep making that level? Like, is that the new standard within our bodies? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Exactly. Wow. That, that, it's uh, the new standard for as long as it can be sustained. And for different people, you know, they're wandering around with, you know, sky high cortisol day and night and really functioning uh, remarkably well, but they don't sleep well because cortisol levels uh, are high at night too. And when you think about some of the most extreme stress states, uh, you know, we, we're all familiar with, you know, emergency situations, you know, yeah. um, a sudden divorce, uh, custody battles, you know, that, that kind of thing where um, you can't eat and you can't sleep. Those are typical with elevated cortisol. And um, I learned about that working with anorectics, you know, who always have elevated cortisol. That's how they keep going. Really? Yes, because not only uh, does cortisol give them energy that's independent of what they eat, 
but it actually burns up their flesh in order to keep them going. So that's part of its emergency power is to use our own bodies as fuel, you know, in times of starvation. So so when our cortisol levels remain heightened for an extended period of time the way you're describing, eventually our adrenal glands run out of fuel. And so what is the understanding? Is it that we our bodies will stop making as much and so we'll just have a weakened stress response and our cortisol will actually be lower? Is that what you're saying? That's right. Yes, it goes down you know, pretty quickly actually when it gets to that point to subnormal levels where we can't handle any stress. Or you know, I'm thinking of someone who um, came to us who had been you know, some kind of a internet mogul, you know, venture capital, yeah. whatever. And uh, she burned herself out, uh, you know, high cortisol until it dropped. And then it dropped to a point where she couldn't function. And she ended up in the Bahamas um, cooking on a, uh, a, a tourist boat. Um, about as stressless a life as she could find. And, you know, a small, small boat, a yacht, you know, with just a few souls on it uh, for each trip. At any rate, um, her cortisols were subnormal all day long, but as with so many people in this common scenario now, her cortisol levels at night were still elevated. Wow. So she couldn't get to sleep? No. So she couldn't recover. All she could do is stay doing the minimum possible things to survive. And so it was great to be able to restore a normal cortisol output um, because her lifestyle was supportive of that. But the chemistry, you know, had the depletion had gone too far, but it had created this reverse. Um, output so that instead of the cortisol being high during the day, which is what it's supposed to do to keep us going, and at the, its lowest point at night to allow us to sleep, it was in the reverse. So it was low during the day and high at night. And um, so progressively, um, right now we have um, an, a, a virtual program for insomnia um, specifically. We have a few specialties. Uh, You mentioned uh, food craving because my most recent book is called The Craving Cure and it's about the epidemic of of, uh, toxic food addiction and how we can break out of that, which is quite easy by the way. Um, But um, the The thing that we see is that people who call us at this point are quite sophisticated and they've already gone through the, uh, the types of insomnia that are, are, are more common, the, the tryptophan deficiency um, and GABA deficiency, which we can also talk about. So they've mm-hmm. tried to deal with all that and it hasn't helped and so they've kept looking and they finally found us and we uh, send them out. Uh, a, a salivary cortisol kit um, and we're putting that on the internet by the way uh, on, our, on our in our shop uh, so people can just order it for themselves um, so um, we, we were incredibly fortunate to be introduced to uh, an amino acid uh, all of our nutrient heroes tend to be amino acids uh in terms of my work, um, not all, but m- most, um, and so this is a very particular type of, of amino acid, um, and if you want me to go into how we get cortisol levels down, I'd be glad to do that, because prob- yeah, please do. probably please do. most of your, your listeners, uh, viewers, whatever, um, are in this category. They're sophisticated, they've looked, they've looked, they've tried, they've tested their vitamin D, which, by the way, I thought was a brilliant uh, interview. Um, Thank you. And, and they've, you know, 
and they failed for whatever reason. Uh, yeah. Other other approaches just haven't worked. They've done melatonin, they've done tryptophan, they've done GABA, and uh, so as I say, you know, the minute they contact us, we arrange for a kit to be sent, and then as soon as it comes in and we see, you know, the expected profile, um, we uh, we then uh, arrange for them to um, to get the amino acid that um, normalizes the situation. It uh, suppresses, uh, in a very nice way, um, the, the nighttime cortisol. And what we see is that uh, the daytime levels start to rise. Um, first of all, they get to sleep. That doesn't, <laughs> that's uh, obviously a boon for someone whose insomnia is, is uh, based on excessive stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and their daytime function improves uh, remarkably. So, so we're able to reverse you know, this unhealthy pattern that was established because of the chronic daily stress uh, in the past. And uh, it usually takes effect within a few days. Sometimes, few days? Yes, sometimes wow. the same night. Um, this is the power of amino acids. This, it, it's a nutrient. Amino acids, you know, all 20 of them are powerhouses. All, each of them has extraordinary powers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that when you take them, it's not like vitamins, you know, where you're not sure when, when it might benefit you, you know, sometimes magnesium's right away, but um, otherwise, a lot of nutrients are just going on trust, you know, you just don't know. But yeah. with amino acids, it's right away, or it's not going to happen. And it's almost always right away. Um, so, for example, when you take melatonin, you usually, uh, if you have a melatonin deficiency, you get response right away. Uh, but a lot of people will just take tryptophan, which is the precursor to melatonin, and that night they're asleep. Uh, but that's because they are deficient in tryptophan, which is very easy to be. We can talk about that later. Um, but when it comes to the cortisol excess, um, this type of the, the amino acid I'm talking about is serine, but it's not phosphatidylserine, which is the form of serine that most supplements have. You know, appeared in, in right. very good for memory. Um, but that one's touted as a cortisol lower too, isn't it? Phosphatidylserine. No, that's it's an not. error. It's it, it's also really? you know it's originally touted as for memory and mental um, clarity, but and it's and it's quite good for that. But that's the opposite of what we want. <laughs> we don't want people to be more alert. Um, yeah, and it doesn't work. Uh, the company that. Um, that actually is the only uh, source of the phosphorylated serine, which is what actually reduces levels of cortisol. Um, they were persuaded, after the company had been very successful for 10 years, they got a new owner, and uh, he was persuaded by the business advisor to use the phosphatidyl because it was much cheaper. And so he did, and he lost all of his business. Um, Just because of lack of response, like because yes, it wasn't working. Right. Wow. Right. And, wow. And so he, you know, <laughs> returned it to the world. Thank God. Um, and uh, so uh, it's called Serifos. S E R I P H O S. If you, you know, if anybody is interested, they can Google Serifos, and they'll get to. Uh, I think it's East West. I've forgotten the name of the company that. Um, that, pro- that produces it or... And this is the phosphorylated serine that you say exactly. el- lowers the cortisol effectively? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. um, so it starts working uh, very quickly. And uh, so then the question is, what kind of uh, you know, insomnia do you have? Do you have the I can't get to sleep? Do you have the I, I wake up in the night? Or do you have both? And um, so uh, if you have both, then um, you might have to take it in the middle of the night for a while. But 
usually the bedtime dose uh, takes care of the problem. Um, but, you know, you, you, individual variations, uh, but, but it's the answer for over 80% of the insomniacs that we get. And sorry, this is not tryptophan. This is the serine. This is the serine. Wow. It's that effective. Yeah. So That's 20% fascinating. of people have some other cause for their insomnia. And, uh, you know, in their case, it could be the vitamin D deficiency. Um, not enough B12. But, you know, typically it's uh, low tryptophan, low GABA, um, and too much coffee. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's just about everybody's problem. Now, now GABA... Um, we've touched on this in previous episodes, and I'd love to get your experience with it. There is literature out there that says oral GABA supplementation does not cross the blood-brain barrier, or it is not well-established if it does or if it does not. What do you say about this, Julia? Well, I say that that was one old study that was inaccurate. You know, it's, it's possible that you could test people who at the moment uh, didn't need GABA, and uh, you know after they, it, it, and so the body didn't absorb it. But there are there are a number of other studies now that show that it does cross the blood-brain barrier, and uh, but we don't need studies. GABA is in, in, at, at very small doses is probably the most popular uh, remedy. Um, for stress that, that we've ever come across. And and is it the pharma GABA that's the better one? Does it make a difference? I see pharma GABA, which is supposed you know, to be more... You know, we haven't found it to be that effective. Um, really? Uh, we actually, um, having tried many, um, find that the Source Naturals product, which is sublingual, so it absorbs really well, um, at 125, it's a little bit stronger than GABA, PharmaGABA, which is 100, but it's just unbelievable. I mean, within a minute, when we're with a client, you know, on Zoom, we can watch their their shoulders relax um, and their neck relax. Really? It's yes. that that quick? That's fascinating. It is. Uh, it's the most fun uh, for me, you know, and for my staff is to work with the aminos <laughs> because, you know... Uh, it's really a great, um, a great experience to be with people who get relief right away. And it's, and it's not a flash in the pan. People take these things, whether it's Sarafos or GABA, until they don't need them anymore. And are they easy to wean off of? Can you, can you get dependent on these? No, no, they are, you know, nutrients known to the body. The body knows how to deal with them. The body's equipped with enzymes that destroy any excess. Mm. Um, Keeping a balance, uh, you know, of of GABA and uh, serine, tryptophan, uh, that's the body's business. That's why we like to use nutrients. We don't like to use herbs because they're very complex and mysterious. uh, And quite often, you know, surprisingly addictive. Let's take kava for an example. It's apparently experiencing a renaissance like now, but what nobody's saying is that in Fiji, um, it is a highly addictive substance. It's known to be dangerous, and um, it has the same feel because it's operating largely on the GABA receptors, but it's not like GABA itself that plugs right in it does what you need, it moves on, it doesn't build up. And wow. if you are able and willing to eat a uh, significant amount of protein three times a day, you will build up your own supplies and uh, be no longer be dependent on these nutrients within a few months. So so you're talking... Does it need to be a uh, animal protein diet that aids that, or just any? Can it be plant-based protein as well? Well, um, you know that's really the question of the hour. There's no question that um, speaking of questions, that that animal protein is much more uh, 
robust a source of all of the amino acids. Right. So you might find most of them in a plant-based product, but not very much. So that means, you know, eating a pound of garbanzo beans instead of a chicken breast. Right. Um, so you can, you know, you, you could conceivably do it, but it's very hard to get the balance right because plants just don't have, you know, the robust, uh, they aren't robust sources of all of the amino acids. And tryptophan is particularly hard to get even in animal protein. It's, um, you know, it's one of 20 amino acids and uh, 19 of them, uh, even in animal protein, uh, compose, you know, like two-thirds uh, of the contents of, of, of the meat, uh, whereas tryptophan is like the runt. If you see a profile of all 20, you'll see that tryptophan's down towards the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's a precious, uh, tryptophan is a precious, um, very precious uh, commodity, uh, nutrient uh, powerhouse, and uh, it's hard to get enough. Uh, so um, there are many... Um, you know, vegans or vegetarians who are really working to, to get enough protein, but I don't know if you're aware of this, um, but a lot of the, the uh, vegan uh, protein powders are completely devoid of tryptophan. Hmm. Interesting, and, I didn't uh, know that. And so are collagen powders, and uh, so are the branch chain amino powders. Um, and people are using them in great amounts, so they're creating a, a real imbalance. And uh, it's it's uh, pretty uh, vocal voices on the internet talking about levels of depression among bodybuilders who you know who are huge consumers of protein powders um, yeah. and others. So um, we have to really be careful um, to get enough tryptophan and. Uh, and the safest way is to use animal protein. Right. And and you so walk me through this. Tryptophan is a precursor to and you correct me if I'm wrong, you're the expert here clearly. Tryptophan is a precursor to serotonin which is then converted to melatonin. Is that the right pathway? Am I describing that right? Well, there's one little step you missed. Tryptophan okay. first converts into another form of itself called 5-hydroxytryptophan, 5-HTP. Gotcha which is available also as a supplement. 5-HTP then converts uh, directly into serotonin, and serotonin then uh, in the you know late afternoon and evening starts converting into melatonin in the pituitary gland. So uh, that's, that's the source of melatonin, and, and it's why tryptophan works so well. We really like, we, we always ask people to start with tryptophan and maybe to take it alongside the melatonin because the tryptophan pathway is so rich. It's not only the source of serotonin, which, you know, is our sunshine neurotransmitter, keeps us, you know, happy to be alive regardless. Right. Um, yeah. But, but it also converts, it's, it's the major source of niacin in the body, the vitamin B3, which is critical for practically innumerable interactions in the, in the body and brain. Um, and then, in addition to that, uh, it converts into NAD. Um, I don't know how familiar you and, and your audience is, but um, it's one of the most extraordinary and exciting um, body chemicals ever. Um, and we're just really starting to understand it. Um, and... It, I happen to be very familiar with it because it's been used um, for over 20 years uh, as a supplement to uh, IV and, and now um, sublingual um, or enterocoded to uh, help people detox. I've s um, I keep seeing it on shelves. Tell us about it because I'm, I'm kind of in the dark on this. I don't know what it is. Talk about that. Well, I don't really know what it is either, uh, but it's, um, I was just trying to write a very concise description, and 
I there there's no way to do that. But but the the language that the scientists in the research papers on it are using are you know kind of unprecedented. Um, that um, it's absolutely essential for health, universally um, in uh, in all uh, mammals. It's um, the primary driver of the microbiome. You know, just not the microbiome, mm -hmm. uh, the mitochondria, mm -hmm. uh, which is you know what really uh, makes all the cells work. Um, but in terms of its applications, you know, well, it sounds great, but it's so generalized, you know, how do you, how or why would you use it as an individual supplement? And um, I can tell you that it's magic for helping people with difficult detoxes. And one of the reasons that uh, I wanted to bring this up while we were talking was that benzodiazepine addiction is uh, perhaps the most difficult addiction to withdraw from, and uh, NAD is uh, one of the most helpful uh, new um, additions to the benzodiazepine withdrawal process, um, along with Seraphos, because uh, one of the things that happens as soon as withdrawal discomfort arises, whether you're withdrawing from opiates or uh, tobacco or whatever, um, is that you get highly stressed and cortisol levels rise. Well, in the case of insomniacs, uh, who are you know, most likely to be addicted to benzodiazepines, their cortisol at night is already too high. That's why they need benzodiazepines, you know, a drug to drag down the cortisol for you know, a certain number of hours. Um, and then, of course, it rebounds. Um. So the benzos artificially lower cortisol? Yes. Okay. And so, you know, that, that's interesting that you touch on benzos. Um, I know that with those, not from my own personal experience, but just from, from research and reading, uh, dependency kicks in very quickly with those. And pretty soon you can't sleep without them. So is it related to its interaction with cortisol? Yes, um, it is. Um, and so it's critical to bring those cortisol levels down in order to get off the benzo. Um, and so yeah. as part of the withdrawal, you know, one of the, the great, so we've got these two great new assists. One is Seraphos and one is NAD. I can't wait to read up on that Seraphos. I've never even heard of that. That's wild. That's well, great. I'm uh, glad you brought that up. You, let me know if you find much. Um, uh, I uh, had a lot of communication with the man who developed it, who himself, you know, struggled with pretty severe insomnia and uh, discovered that this was the key for him and for so many other people. He, um, unfortunately, uh, died about five years ago. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, I think this was his, you know, contribution to the world. Yeah, I definitely. I don't know about writing. I don't think he wrote about it. Um, now, what about sleep duration insomnia, Julia? Like, what about people who can only sleep... Sometimes four hours a night, they get to sleep okay, um, but they wake up either in the middle of the night or they just, they can't get that, you know, seven hours that we're all told we should have. What are your thoughts on that? What could, what can help people sleep longer and what's cutting our duration down? Well, the same thing. Um, that's where the salivary testing comes in handy. So we do a bedtime collection and we do a middle of the night collection when, when the person is waking up unnaturally. Um, and, you know, usually their cortisol is elevated, you know, is, is above normal whenever they can't sleep, whether it's, you know, first thing trying to get to sleep or whether it's in the middle of the night when they're waking up inappropriately. So the same, the Seraphos is, that's why it's such an extraordinary save because people can take tryptophan and sometimes that's why they can't get to sleep. Uh, or, or melatonin, so they get to sleep, but they still wake up in the middle of the night. Right. And taking tryptophan or melatonin sometimes helps in the middle of the night. But when it doesn't, we almost don't have to test because what else, you know, it, it always turns out to be um, a serotonin spike. 
So when you say a serotonin spike, what do you mean by that? Too much serotonin, not enough melatonin? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not a serotonin spike. A cortisol spike. Oh, got you. Okay. Okay. Thank you for <laughs> bringing me back to reality <laughs> no. here. Hey, I'm, hey, I haven't been in reality in years, so. <laughs> now, you mentioned uh, serotonin. Is there a lab that exists or some way to measure our serotonin levels? Does that, is that a thing? that you know of? Yes. Um, Plasma um, testing, um, the big labs do it, and my favorite lab does it very reasonably, although it's not insurance reimbursable, but it's like, well, it's it's reasonable. Um, And that's health diagnostics in New Jersey. Okay. Now, you have to get a health professional to order the testing for you, but... That's the only hurdle. And uh, so then you get, they do the most accurate testing available in any lab that I know of. And that's, um, you know, so cerebrospinal fluid is the most accurate uh, testing, um, but nobody wants to donate any of their cerebrospinal fluid. So uh, for serotonin and for the catecholamines, the stimulating amino acids, dopamine, norepinephrine, and adrenaline, um, blood platelet testing. Uh, the blood platelets transport those specific neurotransmitters, and it, so this lab tests for those substances in blood platelets. I don't know anyone else, any other lab that's doing it. Um, they should all do it, but uh, but the uh, conventional labs. Um, will do the same amino acids and others. Um, so again, uh, it's pricey, but it can be accessed yeah. uh, from conventional labs. Yeah. And what about melatonin? Does that become habit-forming if you're just taking melatonin? Is that something that somebody you think can take safely over a period of time? Or is the goal to get more balanced so that we just produce it ourselves. What's your take on that? That's our goal. Uh, but, you know, it is possible with age, uh, particularly, or for other reasons that aren't, aren't terribly clear to me anyway, uh, that our capacity to make it, even if we supply the precursor tryptophan and 5-HTP, um, and our sleep hygiene is excellent and so forth. Um, some people just don't seem to be able to do it. But for people that don't have the high cortisol insomnia, um, who do respond to melatonin, most of them uh, are able to get off of it um, because their own supplies you know, pick up, their own melatonin output picks up. And they've stopped doing the things that set them up for inadequate melatonin in the first place. Um, you know, they're not doing bright light at night. They're um, not exercising at night. Um, and they're eating enough protein to supply themselves with the amino acids that are needed to really service every cell in the body. Yeah. It's amazing what what your body can do when you're younger. And I'll speak to that. I used to go to the gym at night, sometimes late at night when I was in my 20s. I'd come home and I would sleep fine. If I did that, if I did that now, I'd pee up all night. I don't know about you. I couldn't pull that off now. There's no way. Right. <laughs> um now, we talked a lot about nutritional components, and clearly those have a primary place in approaches to insomnia. But, you know, there's that segment of practitioners out there, the cognitive behavior therapists, who say that sleep sleep deprivation can sometimes be a mental thing, not physiological. Is there any truth to that? Do you think that there's a mental component to sleep disruptions? Or do you think we can usually tackle it using a physiological hands-on approach with nutraceuticals like the ones you described? Well, there is no such distinction. Uh, Mental is physiological. Uh, So um, 
yeah, I, I guess, I guess. I, I, don't, I don't think that it's possible to um, ignore the physiology. Um, I, you know, I think there are a lot of ways of trying to relax. Um, but if the person's, um, you know, physiological function is deeply compromised, it's not going to be very successful in my experience. Um, so um, that's why we focus so much on the amino acids that uh, are the precursors to calming uh, neurotransmitters like GABA and uh, serotonin uh, and, uh, and the serine that uh, allows the brain and adrenals to regulate cortisol properly. Hmm. So what does a person do if they're been hooked on sleeping pills for ah, so many years? You're reading my mind. <laughs> I was just thinking we can't stop without talking more about uh, sleeping pill addiction. No, please tell us what you know. So, you know, one of the things, of course, is that a lot of people aren't told how addictive these drugs are. And... Uh, you know, they might as well shoot them uh, as to get them addicted to it. Um, but now we, that we have these additional tools, um, there's a way out. Um, and I, I want to mention uh, one of the heroines of the benzodiazepine addiction uh, fight. Um, the fight against benzodiazepine addiction, and uh, she's a British physician named Heather Ashton, and all it's all over the internet. She years ago uh, wrote a, she's an expert in benzodiazepine addiction, wrote a handbook for the withdrawal from it, which also has a lot of great information just about how it works, and uh, it's called the Ashton Manual, and so her expertise was in uh, creating a manual to allow people to taper down off of a less addictive benzo um, in typically Valium that has a longer half-life that doesn't um, create the, the emergency every you know, 24 hours um, so it's a smoother ride uh, down uh, with the tapering doses, and we can augment it with GABA, with, with tryptophan, and with Serifos. We can also uh, utilize uh, the oral form of NAD, which is so extraordinarily uh, helpful in easing withdrawal. NAD however, is uh, easily destroyed by stomach acid. Too much and or so, too little? Too much stomach acid. Mm. And not too much. Ordinary amounts will destroy the, uh, you know, a tablet or a capsule of NAD. So we want to use sublingual forms of it or the enteric-coated form, which is only available... Uh, through Monteef, uh, which is a, a company, the pioneering company um, providing amino acids ther for therapeutic use, uh, M-O-N-T-I-F-F. Hmm. So with, with these um, tools at hand, it, it, it means that there's you know, real hope for withdrawal and it can be slow and gradual. I, I helped someone withdraw um, some years ago. We were both in the addiction treatment field um, and she had a lot of hereditary ailments and so forth and I can't remember you know, why she got addicted to benzos, it was a medical, you know, prescription addiction. But she got a new doctor, you know, 10 years later who said, 
you have to get off of this stuff and I'm going to start taking you down now. And she, you know, went through hell and, you know, for 10 days or longer in between dropping the doses. And we used IV aminos to, um, to calm the situation down with high vitamin C. And in this case, we used taurine uh, rather than GABA. Uh, GABA is great orally, but IV, uh, it causes a second or two of, of uh, respiratory arrest, uh, which I don't approve of. So. What, IV GABA does that? Yeah. Wow, why? Is it just relax the, uh, the respiratory muscles? I, I guess so. I, I really don't know. That's a little scary. Uh, it, was ama- it was a surprise to me because I'd been using it for years when we started doing um, some IV work and found that everybody was having this experience. Wow. And I asked the, uh, the physician who had pioneered the use of GABA and a number of other aminos for addiction detox. And he said, oh, yeah, but, you know, we tell them it's going to happen and it never continues. It's just a couple of the second or two. Um, so that still sounds a little scary to me. <laughs> yeah, and and it, taurine is very similar to GABA, and it works just fine without that. So uh, we used that, and she had no problem at all withdrawing from that benzo. That's so. A, a lot of people are, you know, going to uh, practitioners who do IV withdrawal and. I don't, you know, there's obviously a, a tremendous variation in their ability to do it well, uh, but there was a, a famous physician, uh, he was American, but he set up a practice uh, that, that became famous worldwide in, right over the border uh, in Mexico, uh, and he, it was six to ten days, and he could detox anybody from anything. And that's because he was using IV amino acids and NAD. Wow. His name was uh, William Hitt. And it's fascinating that you brought up taurine because uh, we did a whole episode on taurine. I don't know if you had a chance to oh, catch really? that. We did, yeah. And um, it's a fascinating amino. I mean, I've had a lot of positive experience with it myself during high stress times. It really takes the pressure off in a in a healthy non-addictive way and if you stop it after taking it for months it's, there's no withdrawal it's fantastic i love taurine um well have you used gaba i have personally and i haven't had a lot of success with it now i've used the pharma gaba and I didn't have much response to it i find it gives well, that's me... why we don't use it there's something wrong with the formula i think yeah it should work, yeah. But but we're, you know we're so used to as I was describing, you know, this product at about the same strength that has an instant response. Uh, the other, we don't use taurine so much um, because we found that uh, not that there's anything wrong with taurine, but we found that theanine uh, will produce something identical to GABA in you know, in the 10% or so of people who don't respond wonderfully to GABA. Interesting. And however, you know, it, it's on the list. Yeah. You know, if, if one of the, t- the GABA or theanine don't work, then Tori's next. It's funny that you say theanine. I tried L-theanine years ago and it was the strangest thing. I had come down with this weird one or two day case of sleep apnea where I would just stop breathing and I couldn't get to sleep. And that was the only thing I changed in my whole protocol. And maybe I just have this unique biology, but I was always scared to touch L-theanine again after that. So I've stayed away from it. I thought maybe it relaxed me too much or it just... No, I, I would stay away from it too. Anytime we see somebody having a, an adverse reaction, even if they're all also getting benefit, yeah. we absolutely take them off. Yeah, that's wise. And we find an alternative. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Or we, or we lower the dose, or you know, we do something. Yeah. We take them off of it, and then we may reintroduce at a half dose, or we may just give them an alternative. Um, yeah, yeah. It happened 15 years ago. Never happened again. 
And so I've just, I've seen it on the shelves and I was like, you know, I keep reading great things about this, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. If something's not working, you don't, don't take need it. to. <laughs> taurine is working for it you. It is. Taurine's like amazing. Um, so Julia, how can people get plugged into your program? They can't sleep. They're trying to find a, a viable alternative to the traditional approaches. How do people get plugged into what you're doing? They can go to the, my website, Julia Ross Cures. All of my books, The Diet Cure, The Mood Cure, and The Craving Cure all have the word cure. So um, all of my books, my clinic, the, the supplement supply, testing supply uh, shop, um, and uh, our uh, training program for health professionals, is all centered there along with the books um, at juliarosscures.com. We'll put that in the show notes as well, just so people can see it, Julia. Great. Well, thanks for being here. Um, this has You're been welcome. a lot of fun and um, I'd love to have you back. You have a lot of uh, great insights to uh, to share and, and I think our listeners could really benefit from it. Well, thank you. I'd be Delighted to come back. Well, we look forward to it. Thanks so much. You're welcome. That'll do it for this edition of the Natural Man Podcast. Check us out online, naturalmanpodcast.com. And until next time, I'm Mike C. Stay healthy. The Natural Man Podcast. Check us out, naturalmanpodcast.com. Kids. I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we the perfect, perfect podcast, podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous or sexy catch us on, on the dean blundell network or on our youtube channel or wherever you get your podcasts because, because democracy, democracy is, is something you do the podcast super friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers hi i'm Catherine o'brien from branch out programs in baton rouge louisiana i'm john gay from jagged detroit podcasts i'm matt kundal from the sound off podcast network I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.